on what station can you hear talk shows, country music, Gaelic music, oldies, funk, and more? Why, it's the University of Central Missouri's The Beat, the best in college radio. Oh man, everybody, welcome back to Taking the Snap. Oh man, it's good to be back. I'm your host, Colin Somewhere, and on today's show, we will honor Tom Brady's retirement from the NFL by going over all his stats, all his accomplishments, everything like that. Plus, we will preview the Super Bowl and much more that's all coming up on UCM The Beat. So first, let's talk about the biggest news of the NFL last week. That was... Tom Brady announcing his retirement from the NFL, and man, what a career he had. Get this. He holds nearly every major quarterback record, including most career passing yards, completions, touchdown passes, and games started. He is also the NFL leader in career quarterback wins, quarterback regular season wins, quarterback playoff wins, and Super Bowl MVP awards, as well as being the only Super Bowl MVP for two different franchises. That being the New England Patriots and, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His additional accolades include the most Pro Bowl selections and the first ever unanimous NFL MVP. Wow, what a career this guy had. He's also the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl in three different decades. What in the world? Man, this guy must have... I don't know what he did to get this talented, but geez. He is also the oldest NFL MVP at age 40, the oldest Super Bowl MVP at age 43, and the oldest quarterback selected to the Pro Bowl at age 44. This man was a Pro Bowler at age 44 as a quarterback. Think about that. He's a seven-time Pro Bowl champion. Excuse me. Seven-time Super Bowl champion. Five-time Super Bowl MVP. Three-time NFL MVP. Two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year. He's won the NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2009, three-time first-team All-Pros, three-time second-team All-Pro. He's a 15-time Pro Bowler, guys. He went to the Pro Bowl in 2001, 2004, 2005, 2007. From 2009 to 2018, he went there. And finally, rounding it out, 2021, obviously not selected to the Pro Bowl this year with good reason. He's the five-time NFL passing touchdowns leader, which those years are 2002, 2007, 2010, 2015, and 2021. He's the four-time NFL passing yards leader, 2005, 2007, 2017, and finally 2021. He's a two-time NFL passer rating leader, which is pretty impressive. Especially in today's age, you know, with all these great quarterbacks and great defenses that you have. NFL completion percentage leader in 2007. He was also the NFL 2000s All-Decade Team, NFL 2010s All-Decade Team, NFL 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, New England Patriots All-2000s Team, 
New England Patriots all 2010s team. New England Patriots 50th anniversary team. New England Patriots all dynasty team. He's won the Burt Bell Award. He's the he was the AP Male Athlete of the Year in 2007. He's also a two-time SI Sportsman of the Year, which he won in 2005 and 2021. He is also a national champion, which he won in 1997 as a quarterback for uh, Michigan. Let's go over his NFL records, and boy, oh boy, does he have quite a bit. He is the most career quarterback wins at 251. Most career passing attempts at 12,050. This man's arm must have... He must have iced it every single night if he throws that many times. He also has the most career passing completions, 7,753 completions. Jeez. Most career passing touchdowns in 649. Most career passing yards at, get this, 89,214. Most pass completions in a season, 490, which was this year. Most pass attempts in a season, which was also this year, threw the ball 733 times. His longest touchdown, he is the longest touchdown pass in NFL history at 99 yards. His touchdown to interception ratio, 200, excuse me, 649 touchdowns to only 212 interceptions. He had a career passer rating of 97.2. Now, how did Tom Brady get here? Well, that's a great question. He got here. He was born August 3rd, 1977, which is pretty old for a quarterback, if you ask me. He spent his first 20 seasons with the New England Patriots where, you know, he was a central contributor to the franchise's dynasty from 2001 to 2019. And his final three seasons... He was a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I have no doubt Tom Brady will go down in history as, I can't believe I'm going to say this, the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think it's even going to be close. Now, for a guy with as much accolades as Tom Brady had and as much success as Tom Brady had, you would have thought, oh, he was selected in the first or the second round. No, 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 folks. He was selected in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL Draft with the 199th pick overall. 199th pick. He's a 6'4", 225-pound quarterback that was selected in the sixth round because nobody believed in him. But Bill, but the New England Patriots gave him a chance and the rest is history. He was the starter for the Patriots in 18 seasons, meaning he was a backup for two of those seasons. He led the Patriots to 17 division titles, nine Super Bowl appearances, and six Super Bowl titles. All NFL records for a player and a franchise. And beginning in 2024, Brady will join Fox Sports as their lead color commentator for their NFL broadcasts. I think he's going to do all right as a broadcaster, but it's going to take some work from him, you know? 
So let's talk about who I think has the potential to be the next greatest quarterback of all time. This is a really tough one for me because there's a ton of choices you could go with. You could go with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You could also go with Justin Herbert, who might win the Super Bowl if he can ever move on from Brandon Staley and the awful Chargers head coach. But I think, as of right now, I think Patrick Mahomes has the best chance of all to become the next GOAT of football, but I don't think he's going to get anywhere near Brady's numbers. He can try all he wants, but I don't think he's going to get there. He could, though. You never know. Let's talk about the quarterback free agent news. There has been some big news here. Aaron Rodgers is still undecided on 2023. He told the Pat McAfee show he will go through an isolation retreat before deciding whether to play next season or not. Now, I think he should. He's got a couple more good years in him. But, I mean, you know, he is getting up there in age. He's almost 40 years old. In other news, uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens still have not reached an agreement. And get this, guys. Lamar Jackson, he's overvaluing himself, in my opinion. He said that the Ravens and him are $100 million in difference in contract talks. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that they're nowhere near close to a deal and... There's absolutely no way that Lamar Jackson is going to be a Raven next year. I'm sorry, Ravens fans. You tried for as long as you wanted, but unfortunately, Lamar's just not a good passing quarterback. He's a good running quarterback. I'll give him that. Which gives me the option to put him at running back, and I think that's where he should go. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, I'll be talking about what I think about my mock draft and who I think will go to each team and why. You're listening to Taking the Snap on UCM The Beat. Did you A simple act of kindness can go a long way. You may walk past tons of people a day, not even knowing their story. Someone could probably be having one of the worst days, but a simple compliment on their outfit or even helping them out with a small task can change a bad day to a good one. No matter what, always try to give your neighbor a reason to smile. According to a study by IBM, 95% of all cybersecurity breaches result from human error. That adds up to about $3.13 million of loss in 2020 alone, and accounts for acts like downloading infected files or software and storing weak passwords in easy-to-find places. When everything is online, you can't afford to not be. Protect yourself and others online. Learn more and how at CISA.gov. Tobacco use affects youths all across the United States. Millions of youth are at risk for disease and even death due to tobacco use. Talk to your kids about tobacco use and how it can affect their lungs. Help keep the future of this nation safe from tobacco-related illnesses. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. 
That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Blood drives are a significant event. 4.5 million people need a transfusion each year. One out of seven people entering a hospital need blood, and only 37% of the United States population is eligible to donate blood. It only takes about an hour to save a life. Even one pint of blood can save up to three people's lives. So, if you want to help, please visit redcrossblood.org to set up an appointment today. You are now turned into the dopest college radio station, UCM the Beat. Keep it locked. U C M the Beat. All right, guys. Welcome back to taking the stamp. So let's do my mock draft and. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Jalen Carter, defensive back, Georgia. Now, this will give the Bears a dominant interior defender with the ability to help the run defense and the pass rush. And let's be honest, the Bears need help pretty much everywhere. I don't think they're going to trade anyone to get... I don't think they're going to trade with anyone to trade for the first overall pick. I think they're going to select Jalen Carter. This is a solid pick. With the second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans are going to select Bryce Young, who was a quarterback from Alabama. Now, this was his junior year, but here's the thing, guys. He has an extra year of eligibility, and he used it so he could declare for the NFL Draft, and I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. With the third pick, the Arizona Cardinals select Will Anderson Jr., edge rusher from Alabama. The talented 
Alabama pass rusher joins the defensive unit in desperate need of more pressure off the edge. With J.J. Watt retiring, they, the Cardinals need more defensive help, and this is going to help them significantly. With the fourth pick, the Colts are going to select C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio, Ohio State. That's hard to imagine that the Colts want to turn to another veteran quarterback with limited upside, which basically means that they're not going to turn to a quarterback that's washed completely, okay? I don't think they should. With the fifth pick, the Seattle Seahawks select Tyree Wilson, edge rusher from Texas Tech. Seattle is really hoping to build a fearsome front, and it starts with the pass rush. Wilson is a long-limbed, athletic edge rusher, which is exactly what GM John Schneider, John Schneider covets. So I think they're going to select him. This is going to be a good pick. It could be. Could not be. You never know. With the sixth pick, the Lions are going to select Christian Gonzalez, who is a cornerback from Oregon. He also declared for the NFL draft after his junior year. The Lions showed that they mean business last year, but they there's only so much business you can mean if you don't have a better secondary. I, Yeah, I agree with that. But here's the thing. It's hard to adjust it to NFL offenses in the NFL, obviously. But this kid right here, I think is going to be a stud. With the seventh pick, the Raiders are going to select... Will Levis, a quarterback from Kentucky. This is one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in this draft. He will have a plethora of talented pass catchers to target already. He has Devontae Adams. He also has Mac Hollins. No, not Mac Collins. Mac Hollins. Don't want you to get confused. He also has Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, one of the greater tight ends in the game. With the eighth pick, the, the Atlanta Falcons are going to select Drew Sanders, a linebacker from Arkansas, who also declared for the NFL draft after his junior year. Now I've got some good news for you Falcons fans. You need linebacker help and a pass rusher. It just so happens that this this guy right here can do both. All right? So I think this pick is going to turn out well. i got to be honest. With the ninth pick, the Carolina Panthers are going to choose Keon White, edge rusher, Georgia Tech. Now, taking an edge rusher with upside makes sense as the Panthers' new staff should have time to develop White's potential. With the tenth pick, the Eagles are going to select Devin Witherspoon, a cornerback from Alabama. Witherspoon is a highly confident ball-hawking cornerback with the type of energy that will fit right in with the Eagles and their fan base. He's a trash talker. I like it. I like it. With the 11th pick, the Tennessee Titans select Peter Skoronsky, which is a kind of a weird name, offensive tackle from Northwestern. Skoronsky is, one of the, is the most polished lineman in the draft. He was selected as the Big Ten's best offensive lineman in 2022. He can help right away, but 
he might need to bump inside a guard to compensate for his very tiny arms, let's just say. With the 12th pick, the Houston Texans select Jalen Hyatt, a wide receiver from Tennessee. Hyatt has almost unnatural speed with the acceleration of leaf man coverage in the dust. He's not only a deep threat, but he also moves, he also helps move safeties out of the box. With the 13th pick, the Jets are going to choose Brian Brunk, cornerback from Alabama. He's smart, versatile, and highly consistent. He can step in at nickelback or free safety to make the defense that much stouter, which means better. With the 14th pick, the New England Patriots are going to choose Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia. It's time for the Patriots to jump back into the, into the, into the tackle market. They turn to the athletic Jones, who is still getting bigger and better. With the 15th pick, the Green Bay Packers are going to choose Luke Musgrave. Tight end, Oregon State. Now, I know, I know. They don't draft wideouts in the first round. But how about a tight end? Musgrave is, ex is experienced blocking in a zone scheme and has dynamic pass-catching talent. I think he's going to turn out pretty well. With the 16th pick, the Washington Commanders select Osiris Torrance, a guard from Florida. Washington needs help at guard. And Torrance is coming off a strong week at the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's big and powerful and has the ability to start early in his pro career. With the 17th pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Joey Porter Jr., a cornerback from Penn State. I mean, come on. I get to put the longest... The long-limbed press corner and son of former Steelers All-Pro Joey Porter in this spot for Pittsburgh? I mean, how could you not? With the 18th pick, the Lions are going to choose Michael Meyer. No, not Michael Myers. Michael Meyer, a tight end from Notre Dame. The Lions could double up at cornerback in round one, but passing on a rock-solid tight end who can block and catch might be tough after dealing TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings before last year's trade deadline, which I still don't understand why you would do that. He's your best pass catcher, aside from Amon Ross St. Brown, okay? With the 19th pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Anthony Richardson, a quarterback from Florida. The Bucs are headed into rebuild mode, whether they like it or not, because after Tom Brady retired... They're not going anywhere any, anytime soon. They're going to rebuild. They they could shoot for the moon with this big dual-threat quarterback from Florida who has boomer bust potential. With the 20th pick, the Seattle Seahawks choose John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz is a polished center with the strength and athleticism to play in any run scheme. He'll make the Seahawks' run game even better and add to what's shaping to be a talented young offensive line. With the 21st pick, 
The Chargers are going to choose Paris Johnson Jr., a tackle from Ohio State. Now, I know this is not possible, but if it were up to me, I would choose a head coach for the Chargers because the Chargers, they need a head coach who actually knows what the heck he's doing. Now, I know that's not possible, but it's still funny. With the 22nd pick, the Baltimore Ravens are going to select, I love this one, by the way, Quentin Johnston, a wide receiver from TCU. Now, I'm a, I'm a KU fan, and I watched the game between KU and TCU. Quentin Johnston was unstoppable in that game. Now, I would push for taking B. John Robinson as well, but... Again, Baltimore will likely be on a quest to find a legitimate pass-catching weapon, and Johnston certainly has those traits. He proved it in his college career. With the 23rd pick, the Minnesota Vikings select Keeley Ringo, a cornerback from Georgia. Ringo comes in with great size. He's a 6'2", 210-pound cornerback and a championship pedigree. Because he was on the Georgia Bulldogs for his entire college career. He's strong and physical and should be an upgrade at the position for the Vikings. Because the Vikings need defensive help. And if it were up to me, I know this is not possible again, but I would choose the defensive coordinator. With the 24th pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Dalton Kincaid, a tight end from Utah. Quite frankly... I'm not sure Kincaid makes it to the spot, but if he does, Trevor Lawrence will get a playmaker from the slot with ridiculously sticky hands. Now, I hope that doesn't mean he puts syrup on his hands because Tyreek Hill's got the best hands in the NFL. But anyway, moving on with the 25th pick, the New York Giants select Trenton Simpson, a linebacker from Clemson. Simpson has extremely rare speed as a linebacker. The Giants know they need to put players on the field who can run and chase the Eagles for years to come. This pick could help them. With the Dallas Cowboys' 26th pick, they are going to choose Deontay Banks, a cornerback from Maryland. Now, Banks has issues playing with his back to the ball, but he has great size. He's 6'2 and 205. Also, he possesses the fluidity and strength to play in any coverage the Cowboys ask of him. Now to the Buffalo Bills. They are going to choose B. John Robinson, a running back from Texas. Man, if they select him, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Mark my words, okay? This running back is very solid. But I can see it going either way, to be honest. With the 28th pick, the Cincinnati Bengals choose Kalijah Cansey, a defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Let's step outside the box here. Cansey is right at 280 pounds, but is ridiculously explosive with A-plus rush talent. He can't play every down, but he can impact games from the interior. The New Orleans Saints are going to choose... Miles Murphy, edge rusher from Clemson. Now, that's not a knock. Now, 
He tumbles down on the board here. That's not a knock on the Clemson product. Though who has NFL size, he's 6'5 and 275, so he's a big boy. And can play stout at the point of attack. He's more solid than spectacular, but the Saints need help up front desperately. Now you might be saying, where are the Miami Dolphins? Well, guys, unfortunately, this year the NFL announced in August that the Miami Dolphins will forfeit their 2023 first-round pick and 2024 third-round pick following an investigation into whether the team violated league protocols pertaining to the integrity of the game. Now, come on. Why would you... Why would you do that, Dolphins? You're better than that, I thought. Now, the picks for... The order for picks number 30 and 31 will be determined by the outcome of the Super Bowl this coming Sunday, but we'll get to that in just a teeny tiny bit. So if it's the Eagles that win the Super Bowl, they get the 31st pick. If it's the Chiefs that win the Super Bowl, so on and so forth. But the Chiefs are going to select... Finally, Derek Hall, an edge rusher from Auburn. Hall has startling power as a bull rusher. Quarterbacks will feel the pocket is caving in on them with George Karloftis and Hall mashing forward on passing downs. Now for the Eagles, they are going to pick Jordan Addison, a wide receiver from South Carolina. Like Devontae Smith, Adam, excuse me, Addison is then framed with outstanding ball skills. Adding Addison to the Eagles receiver room will force defenses to even more pick your poison scenarios. I think this is a pretty good solid draft class. I think the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, they're going to make very, very solid quarterbacks in the NFL. They're going to pretty much tear up the league. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick teeny tiny break. When we come back, I'll be talking about the NFL Honor Awards and who I think will win each award. We'll be right back. You're listening to Taking the Snap on UCM The Beat. In 2020, Men died by suicide 3.88 times more than women. That number is way too high. That's why the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available to all men. Call 988 if you are struggling. You're not alone. There is help. One in nine people worldwide go to bed hungry each night. That's why UCM students and faculty are encouraged to visit the UCM Campus Cupboard. Campus Cupboard is a volunteer-based charity dedicated to alleviating hunger and financial burdens in the UCM community. Any UCM faculty, staff member, or student who presents a valid ID may select 10 items per week from Campus Covered. Campus Covered is located in the lower level of the UCM Student Rec and Wellness Center and is open Tuesday through Thursday from 3 to 5.30 p.m. UCM The Beat, the one and only radio station of the University of Central Missouri. All right, guys, welcome back to Taking the Snap. See, I told you that was going to be a very short break. You should trust me more often. Now, there are some... Now, the NFL Honor Awards are this year... This year are going to be taking place on February 9th, which is on Thursday, and I'm very excited to watch it. I think there's going to be some pretty good... pretty solid uh, 
awards going out this year. Let's go through them together. Now, the finalists for MVP, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from Minnesota. Joe Burrow, quarterback. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, who do I think is going to win? I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's even going to be a close competition. This man led the NFL in passing touchdowns this year, which is not easy to do, especially with very dominant defenses these days. But he somehow did, and that was all without Tyreek Hill, which he proved that he does not need. Let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. And defenses these days are very important. The finalists are Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, and Micah Parsons. All three of them are very, very solid. But if I had to choose, and I'm not going to be biased here and say Chris Jones, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Nick Bosa. Because Micah Parsons kind of took a step back this year. He was injured for some of the season. Now, Chris Jones, he deserves to be a finalist. But also, I think Max Crosby deserves to be on this list. Matthew Judon as well. Let's move on to AP Offensive Player of the Year. The, the finalists are Tyreek Hill, Dolphins wide receiver, Jalen Hurts, Eagles quarterback. Now, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are not going to be at the AP NFL Honor Awards because they're going to be in the Super Bowl. But we'll get to that in the last, very last segment. Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings is also on this list, and I think he's going to take this one very easily. Justin Jefferson had an outstanding year. I mean... Just look at, I mean, this kid is very impressive. He's only three seasons into his NFL career, too. He's got a somewhat, somewhat good quarterback. Let's see his stats this year. He caught 128 passes for 1,809 yards. Guys, that's an average of 14.1 yards per reception. He had eight touchdowns. Holy moly. I think he definitely deserves to be Offensive Player of the Year for sure. Now let's move on to Offensive Rookie of the Year. And there are some pretty solid ones on here. Brock Purdy, 49ers quarterback. Kenneth Walker the third, Seattle Seahawks running back. And Garrett Wilson, a Jets wide receiver. This is a very tough one for me because all of these are very solid. But if it were up to me, I would say it's going to be a tie. Okay? It's going to be a tie between Kenneth Walker and Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy because Mr. Irrelevant. He, tur he suddenly turned into Mr. Irrelevant. Now, for those of you who don't know what Mr. Irrelevant is, is that is basically the last pick in the NFL draft, which means most likely you're going to suck. But that was not the case with Brock Party this year. He had a pretty good season. Kenneth Walker also had a good season. 
Garrett Wilson, not so much because he's unfortunately on the wrong team in the Jets. AP Comeback Player of the Year. The three nominees are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Geno Smith. My opinion, Geno Smith should win this because he led the Seahawks to the playoffs. Now, Saquon Barkley also led the Giants to the playoffs, but that was mostly because of Brian Dable's defense. Speaking of Brian Dable, he's on the next list for AP Coach of the Year. Brian Dable, Sean McDermott. I don't think Sean McDermott even deserves to be on this list because he made the wrong decisions. Like last year, for example. Why would you not squib kick it when you know that the Chiefs have 13 seconds? Come on. Doug Peterson for the Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers, and last but not least, Nick Sirani for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a very tough decision for me. But if it were up to me, I would say Nick Sirani because... You know, the Eagles made the playoffs last year, but they were the number 7 seed. They went 9-8, and eight, which was not the best, but, hey, it wasn't the worst. I, I'll give them credit. They went from the number 7 seed last year to the number 1 seed and the Super Bowl in the, in the NFC this year. What a turnaround for the Eagles. And I think Nick Sirianni is going to take it. AP Assistant Coach of the Year, Ben Johnson, the Lions Offensive Coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers Defensive Coordinator, who is now the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, and Shane Seichen, the Eagles Offensive Coordinator. I think, if it wrote to me, I would say that it would be D'Amico Ryans, because that defense was very, very solid. Now, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. There's, a, there's quite a few nominees up for the Walt, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, including Patrick Mahomes, but he's going to win NFL MVP. So there's no way that he is going to win Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. But he did win the charity challenge. Let's take a look at the finalists for. Actually, let's take a look at the the 32 nominees, and then I'll break it down. Arizona Cardinals, they selected Zach Ertz to Walter Payton Man of the Year. Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. Derwin James from the Los Angeles Chargers. Saquon Barkley from the New York Giants. Derek Henry from the Tennessee Titans. Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks. Arik Armstead from the San Francisco 49ers. Cameron Hayward from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's going to be Saquon Barkley. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break coming up. I'll be talking about the Super Bowl. I'm going to preview the Super Bowl, give you some very interesting stats, and tell you the worst 
predictions from the beginning of the season by Mr. Adam Rank, who, if you don't know who that is, he's a so-called expert in quotations. He's not an expert at all, and you'll see why in just a little bit. You're listening to Taking the Snap on UCM The Beat. Did you know that millions of animals are either abused or abandoned every year in the United States? Donate to your local animal shelter today. And if you have room in your home, why not adopt a furry little friend to add to your family? Be a part of the change. Be a part of saving a helpless animal's life. everybody, Rachel Ray here. Nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than cooking up a big meal for family and friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in America who are struggling with hunger. These children, that's one out of every five, often have to skip meals because there's just nothing to eat in the kitchen. Yet there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food produced right here in America to feed every last hungry child. If only there was a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across our country. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America at your local food bank and at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. All right, everybody in the car, let's go. What are we gonna do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing too? I don't see why. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not that far, sweetie. (sighs) Are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. time in the making but it's finally here you see him the beat oh boy guys welcome back to taking the snap this is going to be the best segment ever let's talk about the super bowl coming up this week Super Bowl week, baby. I'm so excited. 
Now, Mahomes' last game was, let's talk about the key stats for the Super Bowl. Then I'll make my prediction. Mahomes' last game was very solid. As you heard on the last episode, he threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns. 29 for 43. Get this. He completed every pass when he was outside the pocket. He now has 32 career touchdowns in the postseason. That's eighth most in NFL history. And he's only 27 years old. So he is the first quarterback in league history to win 10 or more playoff games before the age of 30. He's already cemented his legacy, dude. Now, Travis Kelsey also ranks second in all-time playoff receiving yards. He trails only Jerry Rice. Now, Jerry Rice was a very, very solid wide receiver. Kelsey and Mahomes have connected in the playoffs 13 times. That's second only to Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski with 15. Gronk and Brady connected 15 times in the playoffs. Let's be honest. Brady and Gronk, they had a great chemistry when they were playing together. Let's talk about MVS. For those of you who don't know it, that's Marquez Valdez Scantling. He moved the chains on third down three times in the AFC Championship game. Considering that the Chiefs were down so many wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, and Kadarius Toney, that's pretty impressive. He tallied six receptions for 116 yards and one touchdown. That just goes to show you how much Mahomes really spreads the ball around. Chris Jones racked up 10 quarterback pressures against Cincinnati. He had one of his best games in the postseason so far. He, had, he also had five quarterback hits and two sacks. That is, without a doubt, his best game in the playoffs. It's not even close. Now, this Chiefs rookie class, let's talk about it. This rookie class is very, very exciting. They stepped up in the AFC Championship game. They tallied two interceptions. 21 total tackles, and a sack. Isaiah Pacheco got 85 yards from the line of scrimmage, and Sky Moore had a pretty big punt return for 29 yards. Now here's an interesting stat. KC has has not played a road playoff game since 2015. Think about that. A road playoff game. Their last road playoff game was the AFC wildcard against the Texans, where they... Basically, shut them out. Let's move on to the interesting facts. The This is the sixth Super Bowl between number one seeds since 2000. Now, I know that some of you might not enjoy this stat right here, but this is the first Super Bowl between two black starting quarterbacks. And it's also the youngest combined age between starting quarterbacks Mahomes is 27, and Hurts is 24. Now, the Eagles had the third highest scoring offense in football and fourth in the league on third down conversions. They scored 28.1 points per game this season. The Chiefs, on the other hand, had the best offense in the NFL and second in the league on third down. They scored 29.2 points per game. 29 points per game, guys. Do you know how impressive that is? That's pretty impressive, especially without your number one wide receiver. 
Mahomes got first-team All-Pro. He also had 41 touchdowns this year. That led the entire NFL. In the championship game, Mahomes had a quarterback rating of 105.4. All right, 105.4 is very, very, very good. Now, there's a, key, there's a few key matchups to watch. The first one is the Eagles' pass rush against the Chiefs' offensive line. Philly got to the quarterback 70 times this season. That was the third most ever in a season. However, the Chiefs' offensive line allowed the third fewest sacks this season, only giving up 26. Hassan Reddick is going to be the one to watch out for. He has 16. He had 16 sacks this season. 16. In the conference championship, he got two sacks, forced a fumble, and hey, he got a fumble recovery. Big man right there standing up. The other key matchup to watch. Oh, boy. Andrew Wiley and Hassan Reddick. Now, Hassan Reddick primarily goes up against right tackles. And I have a feeling that Wiley's going to get beat on pretty much every single snap because he sucks that bad. He was one of the lowest rated tackles this season, according to PFF, which for those of you who don't know, it's pro football focus. He has allowed nine sacks this season. Nine! That's unacceptable for a right tackle. Now, another key matchup to watch is Orlando Brown and Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat had 11 sacks this season. He has nine sacks in his last eight games. Trey Smith and Fletcher Cox is going to be another big one. Trey Smith is one of the best right guards in the NFL. Now, I'm biased, but he is one of the best right guards in the NFL. However, the Chiefs have a fantastic center in Creed Humphrey. He was rated the number two center by Pro Football Focus. Now let's move on to who the referee is going to be in this game. Oh, boy. Here we go. Good old Carl Jeffers. Yikes. Guys, be looking out for a flag fest for sure. I'm actually being serious. I'm not kidding. Jeffers ref the ref two Chiefs games this year. Now, while they were 2-0, they got penalized 21 times between those two games. 21 times. I don't know if he hates the Chiefs or what is going on with that, but he's one of the worst refs in the NFL. How is he even here? Travis Kelsey said it best. He shouldn't even be allowed to work in a footlocker. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster was second in targets on the team this year, only behind Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey makes sense because Mahomes and Kelsey are going to connect most of the time. There is the next factor matchup to watch. This will be Isaiah Pacheco versus the Philly Rush defense. The Eagles allowed 4.4 yards per carry this season to running backs. Now, another key stat, another key matchup to watch is the Eagles' rush offense versus the Chiefs' rush defense. Rush defense... The rush defense for Kansas City was very pretty solid. This is going to be huge route. The Chiefs stopped the RPO. Now, for those of you who don't know, RPO is run-pass option, which means you can either run the ball or you can pass it. It doesn't matter, depending on the defensive coverage. A key matchup to watch, Chiefs defense versus the Eagles O-line. Chris Jones and Jason Kelsey are going to probably go at it. 
Now, Jason Kelsey was rated the third best center by PFF, which I've already explained what that is. PFF Pro's football focus. And fun fact, guys, this is the first Super Bowl between two brothers in the Super Bowl era. Now, let's move on to my prediction. This is going to be a very good game. It's going to be a back-and-forth action. But in the end, I think the Chiefs are going to expose the Eagles for who they truly are. Their defense is not very good. The Eagles had a very cupcake schedule this year. I mean, look at who they played. The Lions, the Vikings, the Commanders, the Cowboys. They also played the Giants twice. They have not faced a team as dominant as the Chiefs. So I'm taking the Chiefs easily. Let's move on to good old Adam Rank. Oh, boy. Here we go. Horrible predictions time. Are you guys ready for this? Adam Rank does these predictions at the beginning of every single NFL season. Let's go through them together and roast him to the ground. The I can't believe I'm about to say these predictions. These are ridiculous. Adam Rank... We're going to do it based on division. So let's start off with the NFC East. He predicted the Cowboys will finish with a record of 9-8. and eight. Oh my gosh. He was horribly wrong. Now he was only three games off because the Cowboys ended up finishing 12-5. and five. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. He predicted the Philadelphia Eagles... To finish 11-6. and 11-6! Come on, dude. The Eagles had the easiest schedule in the NFL. They finished 14-3. and And with the number one seed and representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. How could you get that wrong, my guy? I'm I'd be embarrassed if I was him. But he always gets predictions wrong. The Giants, he predicted, will finish the year with a record of 7-10. and 10. He wasn't entirely wrong right there. I mean, he was a little bit wrong. But, I mean, come on. 7-10 and 10 in the NFC East. Really? The NFC East is so weak it's not even funny. Aside from the Eagles, the NFC East is very weak. The Commanders, he predicted, will finish with a record of 3-14. and 3-14. and 14. <laughs> Boy, was he wrong there. They finished with a record of 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. That one tie was to the New York Giants, which I forgot to mention their record. Apologies about that. Their record was 9-7-1. How, how do you tie the Commanders, by the way, first off? he He's a Bears fan, and... He predicted the Bears to finish 10 and 7. <laughs> Let me repeat that for you guys. 10 and 7. Okay? No. The Bears are pathetic. I'm sorry, Adam Rank. If you can hear this right now, I'm sorry, but find a new team. The Bears are, are absolutely pathetic. Okay? He predicted them to finish with a record of 10 and 7. Like I said, and they did not even come close to that. He was like seven games behind. They finished with a record of three and fourteen, and they had the number one pick in the in the first 
in the draft. That's pathetic. He predicted the Lions will finish with a record of 5-12. and 12. He wasn't too far off. I mean, they finished with a record of 9-8, and eight, which is a winning record. He predicted the Packers will win the NFC North, but they didn't. He predicted them to finish 12-5. and five. They finished at 8-9, which, how do you lose to the Lions in the last week of the season? That was absolutely horrible. You're better than that, Packers. Come on. He predicted the Vikings to finish with a record of 7-10. and 10. I mean, he got it wrong. 13-4 and four was their final record. 7-10? and 10? No. No. Just no, okay? The Falcons, he predicted to finish with a record of 2-15. and 15. He predicted them to get the number one draft in the NFL. Number one pick in the NFL draft. They finished with a record of 7-10. and 10. Most of the, let's be honest, most of the NFC South finished with a record of 7-10. and 10. Panthers, he predicted it to go 4-13. and 13. They went worse than that. Seven. They went better than that, 7-10. and 10. Saints finished with a record of 8-9. and nine. He was almost right there, but he was off by, like, a game. Not too bad. The Buccaneers, he predicted, will finish with a record of 13-4, and four, but they did not. They finished with a record of 8-9. and nine. So, as you can see, none of his predictions have come true so far. Which means he just, he's horrible at picking. He predicted the Cardinals to finish the year 8-9. They finished 4-13. He predicted the Rams to finish the season 11-6, which was horribly wrong. I feel so bad for him. Now, at the same time, I don't. The Rams' record was 5-12. and 12. That's just horrible. One of their wins came against the Denver Broncos, which we'll get to them in just a little bit. He predicted the 49ers to finish with a record of 9-8. and eight. They finished 13-4. and four. So he's like four games off. The Seahawks, he predicted to finish with a record of 5-12. and 12. They finished 9-8. and eight. The Bills, he said, would finish 13-4, which was almost correct. But we're not going to talk about that situation right now. He predicted the Bills to go 13-4. Now, I know it's a little bit unfair because they only played 16 games, but oh well, what are you going to do? The Dolphins, he predicted, finished with a record of 10-7. and seven. They finished 9-8. and eight. He was so close. He was so close in the AFC East. But, unfortunately, he couldn't get it done. He choked completely. The Patriots, he predicted, finished with a record of 9-8. and eight. He was so close on that one, too. 8-9. and nine. Just flip-flop the two. It's so simple. Now, he predicted the Jets to finish 3-14. They did way better than that. They finished 7-10. The Ravens, he predicted to finish with a record of 10-6-1. Now, their one tie was going to be to the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you tie a team? Like, you should never tie a team. You should beat them. If you think you're going to win, just put it as a win. He predicted the Bengals to go 11 and 6. They went 13 and 3. Excuse me, 12 and 4. 
Now, the Browns, he predicted to have a record running eight. Oh, boy. The Browns did not even get over 500 this year. Mostly because they did not have Deshaun Watson for most of the year, but Deshaun Watson sucks. He predicted the Seahawks to have a record of 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, which was almost correct, but they finished 9-8. and eight. Texans, he predicted 3-14. and 14. <laughs> The Texans finished 2-14-1. and one. The Colts finished with a record of 4-12-1. and one. Hey, they had four wins. He predicted them to go 9-8, and eight, though. He predicted the Jaguars to go 7-10, and 10, and they won the AFC South. The Titans didn't even make the playoffs. He predicted them to finish 10-7. Let's move on to the AFC West. He predicted these horribly, guys. Okay? He predicted the Broncos to go 12-5 and and win the AFC West. He was horribly wrong. He predicted the Chiefs to go 10-7 and and miss the playoffs, and look where that ended up. Number one seed in the AFC. Let's go, baby. The Raiders, he said, we're going to finish 12-5. and Come on. It's the Raiders. They're going to Raider every single time. And he predicted the Chargers to go 11-6. and He was wrong there as well. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this last episode of Taking the Snap. But don't you worry. I will be back next week so to talk about a different sport. Stay tuned for a special preview. That's next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Now it's time for so long. I'm sorry, guys. It's been fun. It's been a great ride. But Taking the Snap has ended. So long, everyone. Have a great week. And as always, remember, go Chiefs.